Hey, everyone. Welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing okay, Todd. Well, I think uh, the world is kind of spinning a little wobbly right now, but uh, <laughs> I think I think we're we're all making it. So uh, cities aren't burning down. So that's the main thing. At least yeah. I don't think they were. Not yet, right? <laughs> so anyway, welcome everyone. This is your reprieve from politics. We're going to talk about podcasting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a little news today that uh, they're starting to find podcast pirated on YouTube. <laughs> That's been going on for years. That's something I was involved in fighting when I was working for podcast one, because a lot of the big shows on podcast one were pirated over there. Yeah. So, you know, that, so what are they doing? Just putting the audio up? Yeah. They'll, they'll take the audio and they'll clip out a segment of uh, a very popular show mm -hmm. and then promote the heck out of it as a, you know, as a very specific topic, right. That right. was covered in, in a program or in a podcast that uh, will drive some, some views, uh, and then they'll turn on monetization. Now, this was back in 2014 when there wasn't as much, um, quite as much content moderation going on, on 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 YouTube, but now there is quite a bit. So I was looking at I'm making turning off some phones here. Um, yes, I, I want to go to airplane mode. Um, here's the channel that they found. It's the Daily, and mm -hmm. uh, Looks like all kinds of regular, you know, it's every, every edition, 878 subscribers to this. Well, you so, know how, how this can be easily done. A lot of the podcast hosting platforms enable direct publish to right. YouTube. Yep. So, you know, you, you clone a, a show over on a podcast hosting platform that we all know. Um, it's easy to push it over there. Right. Or. You just, uh, it's not that difficult to create. There's lots of tools to create YouTube posts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So automated tools. And, uh, right. Right. and that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, when we push to YouTube, people, I, I just don't believe people are listening to full lengths of these. And, uh, so. You know, I mean, if I think back to my my history of being involved in it somewhat, of trying to clean it up, is, is that they'll take clips, and I think I mentioned that. Yeah. They typically won't take the full episode. They'll take clips, and they'll create graphics and stuff that play up the, the content that's in it, um, and then turn on monetization. So that's, that's what's commonly done. So and I was surprised at how many people would actually view one of those um, video audio files on, on, on YouTube. It, it would be hundreds of thousands of um, plays. Yep. But yeah. that's the way the ball bounces right now. That's what's going on, you know, and uh, content, yeah. you know, it's, it's all about protecting your content and, you know, and here's a real issue with this is the daily should have been looking for this stuff. You know, they should have been proactively trying to protect their brand. And um, I, I think it's important that one does that. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, I think if you have a big popular show, you need to be popping in to 
these big platforms and doing keyword searches for yeah. your show on a regular basis. And yeah. I think it's a good practice for any podcaster to, right. to go right. look and see where their content is. Now, if you're okay, if, you know, the daily doesn't care that it's just more people listening to the content and the advertising is in the content. Well, maybe they don't care. So that's true. I guess if it drives up the, the return on investment or ROI to the advertiser, maybe they don't care. Yeah. And it's, if it hasn't been counted, if it's something that really, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, it's some free, free views, I guess. Right. I think where the problem gets into is when monetization is turned on around that content, um, where it means that some pirated publisher is making money from the daily's podcast, right? Well, the YouTube, that's, YouTube that's sets the bar so high. Yeah. I think they've changed the rules now, so it's not as easy to do that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they set the bar so high there that I just don't, I don't think they'll be making any money mm -hmm. off the, off those episodes, but consecutively you, you drive enough views and you might get to the point of being able to be, to be monetized. But, uh, it's interesting, you know, we used to go on these rampages in the early days <clears throat> about the hijacking and it's been years since anyone has paid attention to any of this. Mm -hmm. It used to be pretty common for us to go looking for stuff and looking, you know, and people were mostly doing it when they were building directories and bad practices. But, you know, it's been a while since we've had to deal with this. So now it just looks like it's rampant. And I'm sure just a, a, some show that may not be as popular probably won't have to worry about this. But it does make you go, hmm. <laughs> Well, it is a sign that the medium is growing up a little bit. I mean, these problems have been around television and movies for years. Right. Um, so when, when people are doing this with podcasting, it means that we've reached a certain amount of, you know, um, market penetration, as they might say. Hey, one thing I do want to mention to the audience, the uh, last show, we uh, the video file failed, my video recording. So I normally have two backups, but the last show, for some reason, I was late in hitting the record button here on the TriCaster and the audio, the video records on a separate system normally for ease of editing and trying, cause this thing will make like a 45 gig file and the, the other system makes like a five gig and it's, you know, it's on a desktop and somehow that it's happened twice. I got a little bit of a concern. So everything's dual running today. So I have backups of everything, but. Um, that's why there was no video for the last episode. You got an audio in the video feed. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're a podcaster, you've been podcasting long enough that that's going to happen to you. But it's luckily we had the master audio. That's, you know, I seem to never lose the, well, <laughs> knock on wood, right? Today will be the <laughs> day. Know, right. <laughs> yeah. Fill an SD card or something stupid. So, mm -hmm. um, now, here's an interesting one that I thought was kind of curious. Pocket casts, paid placements, in-app advertising for shows are now sold out until February. So I don't use Pocket Cast. Who's buying up advertising in Pocket Cast? 
how much does it cost? So is it display advertising? Yeah, I or think so. Or they do an audio advertising? I think it's display art. So, well, I'll show you what it looks like. Sponsored your podcast here. So okay. it it basically lays that on the on the okay. website. So how much how much is this costing? One place one placement, ten hours, three hundred fifty thousand. Oh, here we go. Wow. So it's $2,000 a week. Wow. That's a little out of the price range for most podcasters. That's right. But good for Pocket Cast, 2000 a week. Yep. That's, uh, you know, that, I don't know how many people they've got over there, but that's, that's decent. $8,000 a month. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about it, they're pretty popular. That's yeah. probably money well spent. Yeah. Those folks are what owned by uh, National Public Radio? Right. Yeah. Or National Public Media. I don't know if it's which one it is, but. 350,000 unique views discovery per week. That's, that's pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but two grand. So if you just wondered, if you hadn't looked into that, folks, how much it cost, you would, yeah. you would think that they would uh, put stuff in rotation and then, you know, that way they'd have a higher density. Have a system yeah. where you showed an ad once and then run another ad for another show. So who knows? Maybe they're just looking to, to fill it as they can. Todd, did you see that uh, that it was announced uh, yesterday that Buzzsprout has now achieved IEB metric certification? Yes, I did. I saw that. And that there was a quote in here saying that our customers will not see any drop in their numbers. Well, they had plenty of time. Not saying that they did this, but they had plenty of time to get it right. Almost two years to get it right and make any adjustments they needed to, to do before they went into right. certification. So. Right. That's so good. that, that adjustment um, to their numbers probably happened a long time ago. So their podcasters probably saw a drop, you know, two years ago or something. And Or you strategically change over three or four months right. to Slowly. get into alignment. Right. Yep. But I think so, the the biggest, you know, the biggest drop that we're seeing, obviously, is we implemented the Apple Podcast, Apple Watch, right, ban, and so we've gotten some feedback on that, of course. So I don't know if Buzzsprout uh, followed that or not, because if they, that would have caused a drop for them if they were changing that, right. But, Maybe they did that at a different time than they announced their certification. You know, timing makes makes a, makes a big difference here. Right. Just because you announce that you're now certified doesn't mean you're going to see a numbers drop mm -hmm. or numbers change. That could have happened a long time ago. Yeah. Right. Well, good. So it's just another another company mm -hmm. that is on the bandwagon here and. Right. Uh, 
I'm trying to log into something because I want to look, see if I can pull a stat for you. There we go. Go over to users. I'm going to use my secret code to log into an administrative account. <laughs> yeah, I still see. I had a, a Twitter exchange with a person. I can't remember if we talked about it or not, about the whole certification versus compliance confusion that exists in the marketplace. But Another one? Well, yeah. Well, it, it came up here, you know, probably well, a couple of weeks ago on, on Twitter that, you know, some of the platforms were claiming that they were compliant with IEB. Right. And that that was, that was good enough as far as a lot of the platforms were saying. And that, you know, if they're compliant, then, you know, then advertisers can trust their numbers. And what they, what this person didn't understand was, is that, to really say that you're compliant, you have to be certified. So and did, they didn't really understand that distinction. It seemed contrary to their perception of what the term compliance means. So did you uh, let the IAB know this? Mm, no, because it wasn't a person that owned a platform. It, it was just a person that was oh. uh, spreading um, I- information online that was misleading. Interesting. And not really understanding what the intent was of the of the compliance seal that's mm-hmm. put out by the IEB. Um, you know, it's it's what we've been talking about for years, Todd, with this whole thing with the IEB. Did it's they confusing. were they using the compliance seal? No, it was just a person on oh, Twitter okay. that was lecturing other people that these other platforms that are not IAB certified are just as good because they're compliant. Right. So, yeah, did it was confusing to him. Mm-hmm. He said, you must know something about this that I don't. I, I think it was an exact quote. And I go, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems contrary to what, what it is because it is contrary to mm-hmm. the perception of what it is. And we've been battling with IAB about it for a long time. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm waiting for something to load here. Whenever I'm loading these global and I have to be real careful here. If I show the wrong screen right now, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> You've done that before. And I, I don't think you got fired. No, but I don't want to show this because I'm in our master stats global view. And all someone has to do is snap a picture and say, ah, Blueberry is measuring. All right, so let me, it just loaded, so let me go down and look. So, uh, oh, I have to load the full list, that's why. I'm waiting for it here again. Because Apple Watch was not in the top 10 in October, but I just want to show you the, the the change. I will give you this number on what the, you know, what the what the uh, October counts were that we took off about uh, fifty five or sixty thousand shows. Mm-hmm. You can you know we're doing average there, so it, it's still crunching. I just caused our server bill to go up because I did. <laughs> I just probably caused the auto scale to to launch. There we go. Right. So, at least on our system, 
we took about a million. Is that right? Let me look. Yeah, we took about a million downloads out of play a month across all our shows for Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, c- collectively, everyone went down a, a million. Well, uh, you know, it's 8,000, 300, 500, you know, whatever it is for each show. Mm-hmm. But we took collectively about a million downloads out of play. So we wow. divide that across all those shows, like multiple episodes. You know, it's probably not a lot of numbers per download, but it, it may, maybe it was, I mean, per episode, maybe it was, as an example, you know, 80 per episode. That's still a big drop for mm-hmm. some shows. Yeah, it is. You know, Rob, I, I had a call with one of our uh, podcaster clients and um, I do these uh, consults. I, I probably do four or five a week and they all kind of go the same in the discussion. But this one went way different. Um, there was only one thing that I suggested to her for her website and actually two things I suggested for her website because everything I normally go to, I'll go to, all right, so you're complaining about not growing. Let me search for your show. And I, you know, you know, and let me search for an episode. And, and I do these things that I kind of go through a checklist and looking at a podcast. I'd already listened to the show and I had listened to a couple episodes and it was really, I mean, really good stuff. I mean, like she could be Joe Rogan's replacement, but a woman and, and someone that doesn't smoke weed really, it was, it was great content. And, um, and we went through everything. I went through everything, her website, I went to what she was doing. I went through her social media. I went through, and she's discouraged because she had told me she was worried about her download numbers. And I did an audit to make sure she was implementing and she was a hosting customer. So we were doing raw log files. There was no redirect, you know, just all this stuff. There are, I guess, I guess a better way to describe it. I was, I felt for her because she has a really fantastic show with really fantastic content. And she's hardly getting any traction. And I think so this. she's self-hosting? Or no, she no, would... no. She's not self-hosting. No. She's got her own dot com. Okay. She's got her. She's doing everything right. She's writing great show notes. No, but is she hosted on a, on a podcast host platform? Yeah, she's hosted yeah. with us. With you? Okay. Yeah, with us. Gotcha. Yeah, so. But, but she's doing everything I would expect a podcast to be doing this. Mm-hmm. I would expect her up ramp to be much steeper than where it is and she actually had um medium nor she she was known let's put it this way she's not someone that's coming in and has no authority in the content space she's done and no following right and she's done live tv and Mm -hmm. you know some stuff in some other countries and she's she is outside of the united states Mm-hmm. And uh, we, she talked about trying to talk to Apple, trying to, you know, get some, get some exposure through, you know, and just crickets, you know. And we kind of talked about that and some strategies there to get their attention. But w- what are we going to do? Uh, you know, this, this gal deserves to be at 100,000 downloads an episode. 
mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. It's that good. And, you know, she's having a hard time breaking a thousand. And, um, I, yeah. and she's been at it weekly. What For are, how long she'd been doing it? She'd been at it a year. So, you know, I, you know, I, I said it's still early times yet, but oftentimes when I do these consults, I will have already picked up on four or five things that the podcaster is not doing. Right. That they could do. That they could do and should do. Mm -hmm. And usually I can go check with And for this call, I was just like, all right, let's check your, you know, and she was ranking on interview topics in and amongst the top four or five, maybe entertainment websites. She was right in there, right in the hunt for that person's name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I had screen share and I said, look, I said, you know, you're in between Vanity Fair and saying, you're getting exposure, you know, you're getting lock on for this particular name or, and, um, the only thing that I advised her on our website was, is when you landed on the website within about eight or nine seconds, there was a pop-up for a newsletter. Yeah. So I, so I told her, I said, we got to get rid of that. Get that, that pop-up because it says, if I don't know you, I'm coming to your website. So let's get rid of that. And there was another thing about getting it easier for people to subscribe to the show above the fold on the first page. And, you know, so two things there, maybe, and maybe that's going to be all the difference it takes. I don't know. I said, I understand you're trying to build an, uh, an email list. I said, I'm happy to sign up for your email list. If you don't punch me in the face, 15 seconds after I get on your website, especially if I'm going to stay for a little longer and search around. So, so Todd, is that pop-up? only happening on her, her homepage off of her domain? Yeah. Her on her, on her.com. Yeah. Deeper pages. Yeah. It's on her.com on her homepage on her.com. No, but is it happening in her deeper pages? No, well? no, no, it's not. So anyone coming in, at least I, I was running some, uh, I always load a, uh, what do you call it? Incognito window. Mm-hmm. And I do it two or three times to make sure that I'm seeing the experience of coming in raw. But I did not check, Rob, what would happen if I came there straight from a search engine result in. So right. we'll see. But just based on the content mm-hmm. and who she's interviewing, she got a good Instagram following, about six to 800 on Instagram, started mm-hmm. a Facebook group. So all this stuff, I'm just like, you're doing this, you're doing that, doing this. Let me see. Let me go. Let me look. And I, I just kind of, set back afterwards and uh, if I can find concerns with a show when I'm with an episode when I'm or with a podcaster when I'm doing this consult I'm assuming what I have told them will help them <laughs> okay but here I've got fingers a show crossed Fing- the fingers way. crossed and this right. gal I've you know I've suggested right. two things but and I'm hope it will help her but right. For no unknown reason, I do not know why, for the life of me, why she's not getting more traction. So how many more podcasters do we have out there that have these super great shows but are at a point where they're saying, I'm not getting enough traction, I'm going to quit. So as an industry, 
and I was going to put something in our little private discussion group that we have. I, I'm just wondering who, who's doing, and maybe, you know, and maybe I've talked to Adam about this, but who, who's been the gatekeepers for new and noteworthy, um, all these other uh, featured shows. It just seems like it's the same thing again and again and again. Do we not have an obligation maybe as a community to start, you know, if Todd finds a great show or you find a great show or someone over Buzzsprout finds a good show and they're not getting any exposure, do we not have a, an obligation as a, as a community to figure out a way to try to raise, have some of the, and again, they can become an issue with popularity and agendas and all that stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, we've kind of got a way internally at Blueberry on to promote shows and you'll probably see her show soon being promoted by us. But at the same time, um, do we as a community have an obligation to try to help our podcasters that are really knocking it out of the ballpark to have some sort of way to recognize these shows that are never going to get the exposure on any of these other platforms because they've tried and have failed. And, and I'll go back. I know the Apple folks are listening. You know, how, how do we make that, those content, those shows that are worthy How do we, how do we, how do we get them to where they need to be to get this exposure? And of course, yeah. then, then I'm the judge of what shows are great or not. And that's not fair either. That's what I was going to ask you is that the, the judge of whether or not a show is worthy is an is extremely subjective it's, thing. And extremely. I, and Todd, I, I face the same thing every, every day, just like what you say too. You know, you hear, you know, you're working with a, a new podcast or you're working with one that's been around for a little while and they're, they're just not growing. Uh, but yet they're producing terrific content. Um, you know, I think that the game is, is challenging at times, um, on, on this front. Um, you know, and I think there's something to do with a certain amount of, uh, I say guerrilla marketing that goes into this. I, I think there's a certain amount of X factor, that goes on here. There's a certain amount of luck that goes along with this. There's, you know, how many shows Todd have you worked with that have been, you know, limped along for two years, having a hard time growing audience. And then all of a sudden, pow. Yeah. It, it they, I agree too. They strike that magic connection with something or somewhere or someone, and then their, their numbers start rocketing up. I mean, I, I've seen it happen so many times and it's just like, the content creator wants you to be able to just create that out of the air right, for them. Right. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that's even realistic to think that you can. Um, so believe me, I would love it to be able to do that. In the YouTube chat, pod friend podcast app says, I'd love to help support on noon, but great podcast, but how do we vet those? I'm guessing worthy is subjective. Just so same thing we're saying here, right? It's subjective. I mean, everybody's worthy. Of right. Support. And, and that's how I look at it, but not everyone else w would agree with me, right? I mean, I can pitch a show to Apple or pitch it to Spotify on behalf of the podcaster, right. um, but it's it's up to the person at Apple or Spotify to judge whether or not 
that show's worthy of feature placement or promotion or whatever. And that's the, that's the X factor that we, you know, I don't have control over. And I mean, I had a lot more control of this when I was working on the zoom, you know, back in, back in the day, I was picking all of the featured shows and promoting the shows. So those that are on the editorial side of promotion of podcasts have a lot more power in this. Um, you know, like the feature team at Apple, they have a lot of power of making, making shows popular, mm-hmm. um, just based on their, their choices of what's good or what's not, or what they think will raise the popularity of the Apple platform too. So they're, they're promoting shows to drive adoption of the listening platforms too. And that's a, a lot of times the, the motivation that those platforms have for selecting shows. I know that's what I did. I tried to find cutting edge shows to feature them to, to say, wow, you know, I'm going to promote this. Somebody's going to come in and check it out. They're going to like it. And the show's going to grow over time because of that. And that happened many times. At, um, at the same instance with, yeah. with 400,000 active shows. Right. How do you do it for everybody? You can't, you know, you know? Right. and you know, I've been mulling some ideas, you know, but right. again, oh, you pick these 20 shows. How can you right. didn't pick mine? Right. You know, and then, then I end up being, getting as much, you know, causing more grief. Right. It's like you're, you're being pointed to as, you know, um, you know, giving special favor to someone, right. But not doing it for another. And it's, it's a tough place to be. Yep. I know we've talked a lot about leaders of the industry working together to do more cross promotion. Right. Yep. Uh, but we both know how that can turn out. It doesn't always turn out the way everybody would like it to. Yeah. You know, pe- people get very competitive. And, you know, I think though that cross promotion can work really, really well if you can suck in your ego. Right. Right. So and that's why that's what networks do, right? And that's one of the benefits of being in a network is that you do have the potential opportunity. Not every network does this, but a cross promotion, right? Where but, you create like a fifteen or twenty second promo, and they play it in you know in all the shows in the network that aren't direct competitors of yours. You know, and and I give yeah. shows shout out quite a bit, and mm-hmm. then I tell them I've given them a shout out. It's not a promo per se. It's, you know, I'll say, so, you know, we've talked about several shows on this show, the ones that we like. Maybe we should do that more on this show, Todd. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we have a segment in this show that we talk about, you know, a cool new show that we found this week. At the same instance, what I have found is if you tell the podcaster, I gave you a shout out on the show, you not always, you get reciprocated, but quite often you do and it, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. hey Todd and uh, Rob over at New Media Show gave us a shout out we want to thank them that's and that's you know that's the that's all it takes and me say hey I, you know I really love such and such show you can go find them over at such and such you know if podcasters start learning to do that and do that once per episode call you know call out another show that they love and let that podcaster know that's, you know, that's part of the reason why we built tech podcasts in a day. We were all cross promoting each other and what we found, and I didn't promote every show on tech podcasts. I promoted a handful that I liked 
And some of my audience went over there and are still subscribed to those shows today. And vice versa, some of those people came from those shows, came to my show. We did, maybe did a little horse trading and maybe we gained more and had more audience alliance. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a lot of podcasters do talk about other shows in their shows. I think it's pretty rare. Yeah, I had a stretch of time uh, in the earlier days of me uh, being being involved on the radio where um, I I would actually, there would be a conversation that would happen between shows. Um, and in this particular case, it was a show that was a podcast and I was doing a nationally syndicated radio show and we would occasionally talk about a another, you know, another podcast and what they covered in their show or what, what opinion that they gave on something that was controversial or interesting or whatever. And then they would, they would be fostered this kind of like an exchange where, or I would go in and take a clip from their show and I would play it on my show. And then I would comment about what they said about my show. And then, then they would come in, they would come in and clip out of my show and play what I said about their show on their show. And then come, you know, it's, you, I created this conversation between, I did this with the, um, what was the name of the show? I'm drawing a blank out the, um, um, slusher, uh, was it the evil genius? Oh, yep. Chronicles evil John- podcast? yep. 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 Dave, Dave slusher. Right. That was the one. So it was like a five or six episode, um, kind of conversation back and forth between the two shows. Cause Dave was very opinionated about the <laughs> podcasting space. I don't know if you remember him. Todd, I do. But, I do. Uh, yeah. He was very opinionated about, you know, so we were dickering back and forth because he was giving me a hard time because I was a radio guy right? right? involved in podcasting. And then I was, you know, I was, I was the man, right. <laughs> Is what it really came down to. Right. You were the on, evil man. <laughs> right. Right. I was the, the, the man on radio and he was the, <laughs> The pirate, right? the, the indie, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. The, the flip you, the bird. You're the, right, you're the, exactly. you know, the old. And, and you know that was, there was a lot of us that were talking smack about radio guys in the early days of podcasting because we were, we were going right. to kill radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, and on the front page of Wired magazine was a picture of a of a desktop radio with a bullet going through it at yeah. that time. So if you, you know, you can kind of envision the the culture of the, of the medium back then. And, and I, I mean, not to kind of take it off in a little bit different direction, but I did have a conversation with um, somebody that's involved in the podcasting space. Um, that's also involved in radio here this past week. And he expressed a lot of concern about radio right now. Um, I guess earlier this week, uh, iHeartRadio had a massive layoff of personnel at radio stations across the country. Well, I think they've been hit just as hard as anybody for during COVID. Right, right. So his contention was is that th- there's an acceleration of the decline of radio right now, and everybody's moving towards podcasting. You know, you, you start looking at the acquisitions that have been going on, right? Um, iHeart, you know, VoxNest, um, they've been pretty aggressive, right, in getting involved in the podcasting space. Well, at the same time, you're seeing the radio side um, business models start to, you know, evaporate. And there's a lot of talk in the radio industry right now that there's a lot of big networks that are probably, you know, who knows how long they're going to be around. Well, I so. think that, um, we got enough problems. I'll let radio figure their own stuff out. I'm done trying to well, tell them what true. to do. I'm not trying to solve radio's problems here. I'm just saying that there's a, there's an interesting 
twist between the relationship between radio and podcasting right now. And that a lot of radio is starting to look to podcasting as maybe their, their future more than they were before. But I did have an interesting conversation with someone. What day was it? Uh, this is only Wednesday. It had to be Monday. Um, mm-hmm. And they were asked me very pointedly about some of these companies. Now, who I forgot you had. Uh, let me see here. Let me see if I can find it. Because uh, I was compiling a list of acquisitions for a presentation I'm giving. And let's see if I've got them all right. So don't let me lose my my train of thought here um, in regards to talking to this individual. And I had uh, basically um, one of the slides that I'm creating for this presentation talks about, well, I'll just show it here. Let's see if I can bring it up on the screen. And I don't know if I've missed any. You know, Sirius XM acquires Pandora. They've acquired Simplecast. They've acquired Stitcher. iHeart mm-hmm. has acquired Voxness, Spreaker, and Spotify did Anchor. Gilman, did I miss any there, Rob? Did I miss any acquisitions? Uh, yeah, I think you probably left out Om- Omni Studio uh, uh, with, what, Triton? Yeah, so well, that's right. a good one. So let me make a new entry. Mm-hmm. Triton got Omni Studio. Who got, mm-hmm. did Buzzsprout get bought? I don't believe so. Um, so anyway, I'll clean that up later. But the question I was asked, the person says, I'm on such and such host. I don't like it that they have been acquired by so-and-so, and I won't call them out. She goes, what should I do? I, I I feel threatened. I was like, whoa. I said, you feel threatened? Yeah, I feel I feel that my show is threatened. And, and I and I just kind of I I don't necessarily know if I would have reacted exactly like that, but what is behind that feeling is the question. Right. And um so if if you have a podcaster that is dialed in and they're worried about a radio company, I just gave it away, a radio company acquiring Spreaker. Well, there's been other radio companies that have acquired, you know, podcasting companies. I, I think it was the Intercom folks did it. Um, what was it? And, uh, and also... Cumulus, right? To some degree. Yeah. So, so then, you know, the, but the average podcaster doesn't know. They feel mm-hmm. that at least this individual felt that they're, they're being rolled up. And I'm like, well, this is again, going back to why, you, you agree ha- that's true. You have to have your show on your brand, on your dot com, and you know, you can make that move now. You can you know, you can you continue to host with them, but go build your own castle on land you own. Mm-hmm. And and if you're worried about this, then you don't have to worry about your property being 
on that platform. So this is the first I've run into that quote unquote conversation. But I wondered, I just, I, you know, in the back of my head, I've been wondering what does the average podcaster think about when the platform they're on gets acquired? Maybe they don't, most of them don't care. Well, some of them probably think of it as maybe there's an opportunity there that they can tap into to get greater exposure if they're part of a bigger. Well, the, that was not the. I know, but it goes the other end of the spectrum too, where it says, well, you know, what are the chances that I'm just going to get forgotten about? Right. You know, or, I, yeah. yeah. Or something else is going to get, you know, they're, you know, I'm an afterthought. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's the, you know, I'm not going to get any attention. Only the big shows are going to get attention over here. And, right. you know, and I think that's, that's the battle that we're always struggling with is to give equal treatment to all size shows. But I did find it interesting that they thought that there was finally consideration, at least this is the first time I've heard it, that what platform, you know, basically, you know, the, okay, it's just like anything else. Um, tomorrow, Blueberry could decide to completely focus on business shows. We could, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but hypothetically, if we changed our business model and completely right. focused on business shows and not really worried about independent podcasters, well, who well, have like we let? I mean, a good example of that is Blueberry versus Art19, right? Right. But but who do I who do I leave in a lurch then, right on my platform? So make that change. making that right. change, they're going right. to say, "Well, Blueberry doesn't care about me no more. I'm going to go somewhere else." Mm -hmm. And so, is the risk? Can those platforms that have gotten acquired, and this could again, you know, someone could try to come acquire me? Would would the would our DNA stay true? to be serving and continue to serve the folks that are breading or are buttering our bread. So, right. So it was interesting just to kind of hear that for the first time from a podcaster. It's been in the back of my head, but I really kind of, eh, most of these companies are just running as normal. Their business as usual. Right. I mean, size uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. Um, size equates to a certain amount of safety, but it also equates to changes in interests, right? That right. Maybe aren't as aligned with independent producers and maybe becomes as a business grows, it becomes more aligned with moneyed interests, which usually takes um, a form of larger companies, right? Well, when you have the pri main priority is you got to make money. Right. I just spent hundred million dollars for you. Right, your priorities are pretty much. You know, set you 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 now, right. you know, part of that in whatever that term sheet was, and part of that deal. Right, right. Maybe the the incoming CEO gets a five million dollar bonus if he increases ten, in revenue by ten percent. And I tell you what, that's a pretty big motivating factor to look at different options, which may be contrary to DNA of a company. Right. So. It can happen to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it oftentimes is a issue whenever you have kind of a merger or an acquisition, you know, the company that's being absorbed 
into a larger organization tends to get eight you know, to some degree get <laughs> compromised a little bit. Compromise, right. they just get eight. <laughs> Right, right. You, you hope you've of, got some stock options because you, you probably are short-lived for a job there, you know? Well, that's always the the danger of it. You know, I was in the middle of a merger uh, with Block Talk Radio when I was with uh, Spreaker. So right. It was interesting seeing that unfold over the months. Yeah, we don't um, even talk about Block Talk. Is that, that site still online? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. It's now owned by... Uh, iHeartRadio. Yeah. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yeah, that's an interesting little twist in the storyline, too. Right? Yeah, it is. Those are two two old old audio brands, yeah. uh, Clear Channel and uh, Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't even, I, I ought to go over there because I haven't been over to that website and let's, let's just look and see if it just... It's always fun to go see if it's been. Well, it's a platform that's um, that mainly focuses on live, yeah. live radio-like shows. That's what it is. That's, so, the, that's the platform it has. You know, you can log into a web page and do the whole show right there. You can call in off of a off a mobile phone, do your show. They don't even. Yeah, it's create your own radio show. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Broadcast yeah. live radio. You know, and that's what. Spreaker also supported that as well, right? With their live streaming component to their podcasting plan. But why do you want to do that when you can do this? <laughs> well, it is a contrast. I mean, one's live audio and then this one is live video. Well, so but it, we're still live audio. It is. Well, it's yeah. both here. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would rather at this point do live video and yeah. then just take the audio out of here and right. put it out as a podcast. So <laughs> that's my that that's exactly what we're doing. So, so anyway, that was just, you know, we went the long way around the, the hill here to get there, but that was my perspective on, you know, just a couple yeah. of phone conversations I've had. Yeah. So trying to drive, you know, popularity. I mean, to some degree, that's a little bit of what the podcast Academy is trying to tackle is visibility of the medium in a broader sense. Um, even, even that, even the podcast Academy can't solve all these issues because it's going to generally promote shows that are higher profile, um, already. So I guess the big question is how do we have this grassroots, uh, promotion engine for up and coming shows, right? Ones that are just starting or ones that have potential and just hasn't been able to find an audience yet. So, Here's a little administrative thing for people to think about. Mm-hmm. So my website has been on line 18 years. Hmm. Yeah, and, it's an administrative thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, there's a service called Moz. It's $149 a month. Yep. I, I signed up for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm running, uh, basically I'm just doing what's wrong with my website. And it, <laughs> my God. It just like gave me an unbelievable long list of stuff to fix. It's pretty yeah. powerful. <laughs> and I didn't think about it, but all these years doing content, all these outbound links, my site's online, but a lot of sites have come and gone. <laughs> and a lot of sites have restructured. And, you know, as an example here, 
Um, oh, so you're talking about all your, all your outbound links. All my outbound uh, links. Those, those websites have changed dramatically right. over the years. Yeah. So, so of my, now check this out. Of my 15,000 plus articles on the website, I have 75,253 outbound links on Geek New Central. Wow. Now, the reason there's so many is I do no follows for about, on, a, on all my show notes, there's probably 25 or 30 articles I do in each podcast. So of course it makes for not a lot of outbound links. So they have this plugin called broken links checker <laughs> mm-hmm. and it runs through and it does a test of every outbound link. And I'm, I'm looking at here and I'm thinking space.com. There's a link that's 404 and I'm like, well, how could that be? So I click on the link and sure enough, the article from what year was this? Uh, 2006 is no longer go- there. It's gone from space.com. Space.com showing it as a 404. Right. And I thought, why? Well, I went to great pains when I went from movable type to WordPress. And any changes I've made, I have always made sure that all of my links in the site were redirected so if someone was pointing at me before they would get right. to the right article. Well, <laughs> space.com, Wired, ZDNet, CNN, they don't care. Doc Searle's weblog, mm-hmm. they don't they they haven't carried their links for years. <laughs> so I have 10,273 broken links. So, so you weren't weren't building as as strong of a kind of link relationship uh, network as you had thought. Right? Well, it's, I've got fifty five thousand of them that mm-hmm. are redirected. I have ten thousand some that are still a okay. So fifty five thousand of my seventy five thousand links, they the, the the previous owner did redirect them. So mm-hmm. now I'm going through. I have the the amazing task over the next probably month or two to every once in a while go look at this one page on my website and I have them scroll down through and making sure that all 50 of these aren't pointing to something critical. I'll probably get tired of that after about doing this a hundred times. And then I click, there's this little, this little function here. It says bulk action. I check the thing. I go down here and I select unlink. I hit apply and yes, I want to unleak those. So now my computer, my server will run for about five minutes to update and unlink all those posts. The text will still be there. So now I'm really thinking about, do I really need those articles from 2002 (laughs) on the website? Probably don't. You probably don't. So, does it make sense just to go in and host? So someone that's an SEO expert, <laughs> what is my impact of going and removing ye- several years worth of old content off my website? I have no idea the impact. I think taking these bad outbound links is going to help a lot because right. Google's, you know, Google's probably, you know, they already know they're four or four, but, at least I've cleaned it up on my website, but you know, does anybody even know? So maybe someone right. in the audience is a little more dialed in can tell me, but yeah, it's called broken links. It's a great plugin. It 
does give me a little bit of heartburn. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Todd, and I just did a, um, a search comparison um, in, in Google uh, around search results. So like I would, I went in and I typed uh, geek news central yep. uh, separate words uh, with uh, parentheses around the, the word in the search title. Cause what that'll do is that'll come up how many search results that you get for that right. phrase, right? And it's very specific, Geek New Central, right? And I came up with about 28,400 references or links, right? Yeah, outbound links pointing in. Yeah, exactly. In your your list that comes up as a search result, right? Mine says and, about 36,300 when I do Geek New Central in quotes. But go ahead. I'm following. As one, one word or separate words? Separate words. Separate words. I came up with 28. That's weird. Eight. Let me do an incognito window. Then I I did a search for my name, Rob Greenlee, in quotations, right? Yeah. And it it came up with uh, 13,400 results. Yeah, I got the same number. And then I did a search for Todd Cochran in quotes. Yeah. And it came up with 33,600. Wow. So you've got almost three times the amount of... but there is a couple of famous Todd Cochran's. One's a math guy, so that could mm-hmm. be. Um, I'm not the only famous. He's he's wrote me a few emails before. He okay. says he, he says you dominate the search results, but he's a math professor. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, from KSU. <laughs> right. So yeah. yeah, and uh, so anyway, he's uh, he's you know he's wrote me a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but you are the dominant um, Todd Cochran in the world, right? When yeah. When it comes to Google. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. If I type in my, my name, there's nobody else that comes up for the first like three or four I would, you know, I, I would, pages. I would think you wouldn't be. So let's let's try another person here that we both know. Yeah. Rob Walsh. Oh, he's got yeah. us both beat. 61,500. Really? <laughs> Rob. But there's a lot of other Rob Walsh's too. So he doesn't necessarily own, he doesn't, oh, he doesn't own the homepage for his, did I spell his name right? W-A-L. It's C-H. Oh, C-H. Oh, that's why. Okay. And hang on, hang on. Yeah, I got. uh, 11,800. All right. You still beat him, Rob. (laughs) 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 You you have more. (laughs) these are actually called vanity searches. Yeah, so yeah, we're, 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 we're so so horrible. But, but it does give you a clue, right? Of, yeah, of how Google looks at, um, you know, in in searching under your your show name, right? So, like, uh, you know, if we type in new media show, fifty nine thousand sure four hundred media show. Now, there's probably other probably. New media shows out there, but I did it right. in quotes. But we absolutely own, and I'm doing an incognito window. We absolutely own the first page. Let me look here. Okay, it comes up with sixty thousand for yeah, me. Mine said fifty nine four. Isn't Google funny? So yeah. we absolutely own that. You know that search results. Right. So, but not all all the links that come up are in reference to us, though. Uh, see the first one, it goes to website. Next one goes to our Apple podcast oh, link. Third one goes oh, to Stitcher. Show, show Yeah. Shows. Uh, right. fourth one goes to Facebook, pod bay, oh, yeah. pod install, pod news, 
tune yeah, in. Yeah, so we we own that you know that name. that name. Right. But really, the, the where the rubber really hits the road is as an example. Um, if you go, let's let's just look at the new media show site and let's let's take the last episode. So I know I'm gonna die, I'm gonna I'm gonna crush this search result because I'm just taking the title, but no one will search for this. I said music and podcasting slash LinkedIn of podcasting launches. No one's gonna you know that's a yeah yeah no, no too, one's yeah no one's too, gonna search for that. Well, that's too complex of a yeah. Phrase. So let me go in music and podcasting see if we if we hit it. Um, well, there's a there's a. Uh, Music and podcasting. I've got a blueberry article that's fifth. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't own any of that. So let me try the other half of the title of the show. And that's the key in writing titles to a. Well, the reason that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm raising this yeah. is, is you know, as what showed up in Edison's research at Podcast Movement. Oh you know, yeah, um, Tom was talking about how. Search is now the number one way people find podcasts now. Um, you know, I think that's always been the case, Todd, and you've been talking about it for years, so it's nothing new on this show. But yeah, but it is an interesting thing for you as a podcaster to, you know, dig in and find out how you're doing with links inside of the search results. You know, I yeah. you, right. you preach it for me. I got tired of preaching about it and I was getting, I used to get, I still get blowback. Yeah. You know, why and, is that Todd? Do you think? Well, I, I get, topic to I can get, I can or? get all the blowback in the world, but, uh, I bet you, I bet you, I bet you <laughs> that a lot of people would like my inbound web traffic. Yeah. And the, and really what I've been doing with my personal site is I'm trying to make sure it's tuned up. It's, you know, Google is, you know, seeing no issues. And this is why I'm doing this, you know, unlinking these on, you know, that's one of the many of 500 factors that Google does for ranking of pages. Um, but it's, um, it's really about keeping that Google search traffic coming to the website, feeding the machine, feeding the show. Right. And it doesn't end up, you know, again, it's, it's small percentages, tiny, tiny percentages yeah. of people that come in that subscribe, but it's just one of many ways. And I just, um, I'm on the new media show in quotations, search results, and I clicked on the video tab. I don't know if you've done this for the show, Todd, just to see how we show up in there on that. And it does list links to many of our episodes um, that are on our on on the website for the show, not necessarily oh, I'm in the wrong, YouTube. Yeah, I'm in the right. wrong browser. Hang on, let me kill that. So it doesn't necessarily link to immediately link to YouTube, right? No. Which you would think would would possibly happen because we're streaming this live on YouTube. Yeah, but most of it goes to our actual website. Uh, website page. Yeah. Right. right. Yep. So and then also, you know, it goes to even even when I click the video tab, it it, it goes to an iHeart. That's where I'm on the video one right now. Page, but it's actually uh, listed as audio, but it's showing up in the list 
a video. That's interesting. So on, if I click news, we don't make it into the news section. Images, where do we? Oh, we dominate images, of course. Right. So there we are a dozen times or more. Do we show up on the map? Let me look where it shows up in the map. Oh, New Media Productions, which is the name of this. <laughs> that shows up. So, <laughs> Well, Todd, Todd, you put that in with every post that you have on your website, right? Oh, that's true. We do, don't we? Because we actually, that's where we send, have people send stickers to. Right. The sticker exchange. So... So, but it looks like that the videos link shows a link to the new media show and that there's a video right there. It doesn't, it says that it's six days ago. Yeah. So it, it doesn't list a particular episode nope, in here though. Nope. But if you go down, yeah, the farther you go down, they find, they found our live page and then. I think our live page may be confusing them a little bit. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit. Because I do, I don't, I see some, it says some from 2019, some from the summer 2020. Yeah. But it is a little, you know, on the, on the show titles, it, it, it does appear to be a little bit of a mess. Yeah. And they haven't picked up our new episode 409 yet, but I had a little technical thing. It may have caused that. So, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting Yeah, how that. That, that shows up and I don't see if I, okay, I do see the latest episode 408. If I go back to the all tab. Yeah. Yeah. The, in, in the Google show, search results. Show. Yep. Now, now these links are linking to Google podcasts now. Yep. And but when Apple you, is, is below those links. Now. Yes, they are. And then Stitcher, then Facebook, then podbay.fm. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know what this website is. Pod install. Yeah, I'm not familiar with those either. No. See, they've got the latest. Four, they got 409 in there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I think getting crisp on this stuff may may help your show grow. Well, I think podcasters, if they've been listening to the show, okay, here's, this is, okay, there was an article that everyone should read that came out. And I want to just take two quotes. It was an interview with Google. This, you, you have to read this article. And if, in, I've been preaching this for 15 years. Google, this is a quote, is focused on shifting search away from a show-based discovery to one that includes things like episode topics and people mentioned, similar to how articles on the web are found. Ding, 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 ding. Number two, we're excited to ramp up our investment in the podcast space and take on the challenge of solving podcast discovery in 2021 and beyond. Gabe Bender, Google Podcast product lead. So I think this has a lot to do with transcripts too. It, in in if 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 you doubted, if you have doubted what we've been telling you on this show, what's going on with Google? This insider radio article. 
November 3rd, was out on uh, yesterday. This you need to read. And if you, okay, sorry for those of you that are on Libsyn and have your own dedicated pages over there, or those of you on Podbean, and sorry for some of you on Blueberry that have dedicated, because we've got some of those too. They don't have your own dot com. You're going to be handicapped. We definitely support getting your own website. I know. Question about that. You are going to be handicapped in this new era that's coming. Right. Google Podcasts are scanning the metadata of every podcast and episode to identify people, place, topics, and items mentioned in the show. It's web crawl technology which powers Google search and open RSS back of podcasts has allowed Google to have what Bender said is the largest podcast search capability is more than 3 million podcast episode is a quest. He said is similar to how the tech company tackled web search two decades ago. Now think about that for 15 seconds. It is the quest. He said it is similar to how the tech company tackled web search two decades because we've done this for the web. We've done this for video. And now we want to do this for audio, making podcasts universally accessible and useful for all he said. I've been talking about this mm-hmm. for 15 years. Right. Yeah. And now, the rooster is going to come home to roost. Yeah, I've been attaching um, audio players and audio links in written articles for search engines for since I started doing all this stuff. You know, so this is just the ultimate destination of where this has been heading for a while. I don't know what that means for the UI of search results going forward, but and how does this how does that map to the Google Home platform too? And here's another That's rumor. Another big question. Here's another rumor. Apple doesn't like Google being king. And I noticed recently that my SIRI results have been worse. There's also rumors, Todd, of antitrust going down on Google. Of course, but that means they'll just be split apart or whatever. But but what it's initiated is a program inside of Apple to develop search. That's right. The... Yeah, the, that's right. The iPhone is has a deal with Google. It's a multi. I think it's a multi-billion. Well, they deal pay Google, Google a lot of money, right, to provide search. So, if 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 Apple removes Google search, mm-hmm. I think it unless they can do what Google has done, it could be a bad thing. So that's got me concerned because the SIRI results which I think now are trying to be, I I think they're already doing some of this. Uh, And we were just getting results when we talked to SIRI that are are Apple-centric. And that could be why I I think Apple's going to do transcript relevance too. Right? Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
I'd have to dig into that Moz report. Um, so again, you know, just what, and Google is targeting the globe. So let's, let's forget that. Connecting the right podcast so the right listener at the right time continues to be a barrier to industry. People struggle to find a podcast that suits their interest. But, you know, if you think about it, two years ago, Google Podcasts was just an Android app. And look what they have done. So, yeah, I think everyone should be fully, well, those of you listening to this show, you've been warned. <laughs> Well, I guess what what we need to share with our audience is how to, you know, continue to drive the message of how to do this stuff to get yourself better listed, right? You know, it's really, it's, there's no, this is not rocket scientists and I'm not perfect about it for new media show by any means, because I write the, the topic before we do the show often, but it's, it's simple. It's native writing. You write a title as if someone is going to search. You write the title that you think someone is going to search for. And um, so what did I do for one of my latest shows? The title was Tesla Upgrade Removes the Radio. (laughs) Okay. So Tesla Upgrade Removes. So how many people are going to be searching? People that have the Model S that are looking to spend $2,500 on the upgrade. So this is going to be Tesla users. They're going to search this topic because they're going to want to know how their $2,500 plus the additional $500 to get the radio back is going to be fixed. So let me search that term. And where did I fall out? Tesla upgrade removes the radio. I fell out one, two, three, four. Four, fourth search result in Google. Now, that's pretty doggone good for that search result. So let's mm-hmm. let's think about then what that is going to equal in clicks: twenty, fifty, maybe a hundred a month mm-hmm. if I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. You know how many of those are going to land on the page, and they're going to figure out, oh, there's a podcast there. So. It's simple. You record for your audience. You write for Google. You write a good first, you write a very good first title for your show. And then second, you write at least a good, a a good paragraph to reinforce the original article, original title. You have a few outbound links to the authoritative stuff that you're talking about. And be careful who you link to. Because that can hurt you as much as anything else. Right. And if you have too many links, then they think you got a link farm. So you have to do like I do. I have no follows on some of my outbound links. Tells Google, don't follow those. Don't, don't give any Google juice back to those other sites. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I have to do to do my show notes and not get actually deranked from Google search results. So I talked about a lot more stuff than that on that episode, but that's what I focused on to figure that would be if I was, if I was, if I did it, would do it really perfect. I would write 30 different blog posts with each of the topics I talked about. You know, if I could do that as a new show, most of you can't, but you got to write good, good titles. And then 
supplementary content on your website. You just can't do your podcast. So one of my writers wrote an article about afraid to go to your house tonight. You can play Google Halloween game. So, you know, they wrote that on the 31st of October. Um, well, Todd, also there is a, a website resource out there. Sure. Um, this, this concept um, of finding keywords that are relevant for what you're, you're doing has always been kind of like a staple of Google um, sponsored links platform, right? Is having a product and, and then finding out a list of associated words, right? That drive traffic to that particular product um, by its title or phrase or name or w whatever keywords basically is what it says. There is a tool out there that still exists called keywordseverywhere.com that you can sign up for to do some analytics on finding keywords um, and looking at trend data and um, insights around it. There's a paid version of this that gives you insights into volume data, like, you know, how many people search for a keyword phrase, a particular keyword phrase, just to use an example. So when you build out your keyword list for your show, you can know that that keyword or that keyword phrase, right, which is multiple words, uh, is something that's commonly used in Google, right? But I also use caution on using too many keywords. Again, it's right. critical that you write in a natural voice. Right. Contextual. Again, you're writing for Google. You're, you're, you know, you almost don't even, it's, it's, a, it's a summary, <laughs> you right. know, with a little bit of additional context, but. Right. But I've been, but I've been doing this for. 16 years and you know i don't do as much a new media show we could probably rank a lot higher if i wrote better titles and better first paragraphs but yeah, yeah. and it's it's always been a feature of the sponsor links uh program too is that you buy keywords right when well, a person searches yeah. for surfboards right and you're you're selling surfboard wax right how do you come up uh, in the list of, uh, of search results uh, when somebody's searching for surfboards? Well, I, right? I tell you who's, I tell that's, you who spends a lot. That's the model behind this, right? So I'm going to tell you who spends a lot of money on advertising. So let's, let's I'm going to do two searches here. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost guarantee you, I know who's going to be the number one company. Well, actually, they don't, they don't advertise against you guys. Let me look here. Let's see. Let me just use your straight name. Ah, there it is. Now, let me go ahead and search for Blueberry. I would love to see what um, Buzzsprout's um, Google AdWords buy amount is every month. Because if I flip here, if I search for Libsyn, Buzzsprout has bought ads against Libsyn. Oh, who else? Blueberry. If I go over here and search for Blueberry, who else have they bought? They've bought ads against Blueberry. Now, now let me just do one more. Let's do Podbean. <laughs> oh, there we Oh, Actually, Podbean advertised their own search result because probably they got sick and tired of Buzzsprout buying against them and spent money to raise the cost of the click-throughs, even though you would naturally come to Podbean first. So right. this is a tactic you can use. So you, uh, you want to tell how, 
I'll tell you how much it costs to go head to head with your competitor and buying your own keyword. You can spend three to five thousand dollars a month. Right. And Google <laughs> knows that. And they know that. So that you appropriately. That's right. So, <laughs> you know, so I would love, you know, I bet you Buzzsprout spends fifty thousand dollars a month buying all those keywords. Because they buy all the competition's keywords. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the game. And and you can certainly do that as a podcaster, too. Right. Degree, yeah. Depending on your, your uh, budget. The, well, your budget and your topic area that you have for your show and whether or not it makes financial sense for you to invest in your show like that. But they don't only buy against our main name. They probably buy buy get uh, everything. Other blueberry phrases. podcast statistics. They buy against that. Right. You know, they buy and, against all the primary things people search for us by. Right, and the phrases is a way to target your audience even more. Right, so it's a s smaller a number of people that are searching with those terms, but when they do, you're able to niche target. Yeah. Um, Searchers. So here's the be beauty of this, though. There's this cool right. thing. It's a really, really cool application. It's called uBlock. Mm -hmm. Now, I would encourage everyone to run this. So when you turn uBlock on, guess what happens? The Buzzsprout ads disappear. And you get the number one search result for Blueberry Podcast Statistics. Or you know, whatever you're searching for. So right. if you want to have the native search results that Google does. Organic search results. Okay, the organic. Right. You organic run, search results. You now some websites are going to complain that you're running an ad blocker and you're going to have to turn it off to get the content. That's fine. You can white label stuff. But in my opinion, for those of you using Chrome, every mm -hmm. one of you should use uBlock. Because um, then you defeat the naughty boys over there at Buzzsprout who are buying ads against your favorite podcast host. <laughs> but it only works for your search results. Right? That's right, right. And it only works in your browser, so. And you're actually technically saving them money. <laughs> right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. But I don't oh. normally block normal search results. I well, and, and people in the past have, have gone in and clicked on those links, right? Competitors have gone and clicked on those links, and Google has an algorithm now that finds those. Yeah, and you can be punished for that. <laughs> you can, <laughs> right? <laughs> because people in the past, in the early days of the Google search, um, keyword search. I would not, I would not, rec so, you know, if every one of you. <laughs> right. I, I can't just, even, just I, went in and clicked I, on I, I can't, I actually, I can, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> not advocating doing it because I don't do it either. But if, but if you happen to do exactly that, what it does. if you happen to do that, you ring the cash register every time, $1.32, $2.57. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. If you had a, a bot army of about a hundred thousand people to, <laughs> they click those links. Believe me, that was done in the past. It too. has been done in the past. And you right. can get in big trouble. 
<laughs> Google does not like that. <laughs> because it's basically falsely clicking. Because you're what, what you're doing is you're costing the vendor money. <laughs> well, and you're not driving any kind of no, ROI, no, which is no. what Google wants to, to provide to their yeah. advertisers. Yeah, I wish, I, wish, I wish that ROI would go real low for them. They must be making money off us by advertising against us. Right. Right. So, yep. But, but they they track the source IP of the yep. person clicking on they there. Do. And if a person clicks on too many of them. I they, don't ever they, click on them. Yeah. They actually will will block yeah. those. Right. So I never click the ads, you know, right. as much as I want to. <laughs> So, uh, you know, the Buzzsprout guys that are listening, how much are you spending on advertising doing those right. ad words? Yeah. No. <laughs> spend a lot. Good for them. Great way to burn your advertising budget. Todd, I think we made it to the oh. to the end already. We're close, aren't we? Yeah. We've been all over the place today. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, Saturday at 12 noon, we'll be back with you. Okay. And, uh, you know, those of you that are uh, not yet subscribed to the show, go over to newmediashow.com and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And uh, make sure that you're, uh, you're getting uh, all the latest stuff. You got any feedback for us from our last couple of episodes? Uh, we'd love to hear from you, Todd at blueberry.com. I'm at, it's also at Geek News on Twitter. I'm on Twitter too, uh, at Rob Greenlee, and uh, you can send me an email to robg at lipson.com. And we do get a steady flow of emails from listeners, which is always great. Yep. I appreciate that. And uh, I want to thank everyone that hung out with us today. It was kind of quiet on Facebook. You guys uh, did some pluses up, but you didn't really check in and say hello. The I YouTube think a lot of people were um, retired from last night. <laughs> I think there's 50% of people that are in freak out mode and 50% of people that are drinking champagne. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's drinking champagne yet. <laughs> you know, you know, here's the deal. The lawyers are going to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> they always get paid. Todd. And you know, the beauty yeah. about this whole thing, right? In the end, we're all still here. <laughs> Life right. doesn't change that much. <laughs> Life doesn't change that point. much. It's actually a very good point, Todd. Yeah. I still advocating fire them all. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you have to replace them with somebody, right? Oh, that's fine. I don't care. Fire them all. Yeah, term limits, right. please. <laughs> right. Right. Term limits for all. Get some of these, some of these old curmudgeons out of there. You know, they're, yeah, get, they're no, getting I, rich. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little frustrated that we've got, got a couple of 70 year olds that are, you know, vying for being president. I don't understand why we can't have some, <laughs> some 50 year olds. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to even. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's my prediction. He'll serve for a month. Canada will be president by February. So don't worry. <laughs> oh boy. That is, wow. Okay. I just had to throw the, that bomb out there. I, I so know, Todd, I know you did. <laughs> and yeah. of course we don't even know who's won yet. So, uh, Calm, right. calm down, everyone. Calm down. Right, right. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on the New Media Show. We're, no, and we're not going to talk politics. We're just joking about it. So, you know, right. just please understand that. Having some light comedy here. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye.